What's up, everybody? Happy Friday. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. It is Friday, April 19th. I'm Will Brenton. I'm your host. This is CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast. We are about to go daily through the weekend. Not this weekend, but next weekend because the NFL draft is here. Couldn't be more excited for it. Um, we have a ton of great draft content coming up, not, not only on the site, on CBS Sports HQ, obviously also on the podcast. A couple of things you should be on the lookout for. We have a mock draft, a live mock draft that we did on CBS Sports HQ. Did it from 4 to 6 p.m. on th- last this yesterday, Thursday. Uh, the VOD is available, as I understand it. Ryan Wilson, who's joining me now, uh, did a, uh, a how to watch on that, on that particular, uh, uh, show. And you can, I think you can check it out there. We are going to talk about that mock draft now and break it down. And then we're going to go to Dane Brugler of the, of the athletic, good friend of the program, uh, who sort of broke down his, uh, his, uh, his draft guide and how you can check that out. Uh, we'll give away a link to, to let you get a discount to get the draft guide for cheaper. It's 240 pages. I highly recommend it. Um, you know, never want to recommend somebody other than Ryan and his content, uh, draft content or RJ and, and, you know, the CBS draft content. But I think it is important to check out, um, other sites and we like to, I mean, like you need to get a breadth of, uh, of knowledge. Um, uh, you don't need to hey, check. Dane Brewer's, it's called the beast, quote unquote, his it draft is. guide. It is. And I, I'll be honest with you again. I don't, you know, we're CBS sports. We love CBS sports. I subscribe to the athletic just so I could get that draft guide. It was worth that to it's, me. It's to, worth to, it. Whatever it's it is. so in depth and he does. He does so much work on it, and he's got some really good nuggets about different stuff uh, later on in the program. Um, also, another uh, uh, if you're into fan- for fantasy purposes, if you want a good um, if you want a good draft uh, option, I would recommend Matt Waldman's rookie scouting portfolio. Only offensive players. It's eleven hundred pages, Ryan. I thought you were gonna say eleven hundred dollars. No, it's like it's like it's like. 12 bucks, 14 bucks or something like that. It's not, maybe it's 20 bucks. It's not expensive. It is really in depth. It's crazy in depth. He was all over Nick Chubb last year and that ended up being a very good pick. He's been very accurate with his selection. So I, if you're in a dynasty league, unless you're in my dynasty league, then don't check it out. But if you're in a dynasty league, I would highly recommend, uh, checking that out as well. As I mentioned on CBS Sports HQ, we did that draft show coming up all Draft week, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We will have tons of content, live shows on CBS Sports HQ. When we did the live Pick 6 podcast shows from uh, the Combine and from the Super Bowl, you guys were heroes about about firing it up. I need you to do it again next week. I'll give you details as we progress in the week, but I think it's going to be an hour before the draft. We're going to do a Pick 6 podcast show. Um, then we will have full draft coverage from a bar in Nashville. Doghouse. The Doghouse Saloon, yeah, boy, rooftop bar, pretty excited. There's gonna be a band there. If you live in Nashville, come on out. Seriously, I mean, it'll be it'll be a blast. I know on uh, it's good. Pete, Ryan, and Pete are gonna be at the draft. Myself, Brian McFadden, Danny Cannell, and Jamie Eisenberg are gonna be holding it down at the Doghouse. All uh, all every single for every single pick, and that should be fun. We'll be doing coverage from CBS Sports HQ. Um, coming up on this podcast next week, Ryan and I have actually already recorded. And they've already published one of them, uh, YouTube videos breaking down specific teams and their needs in the draft. It is a, it's a podcast video. It's possible in the future we're going to have the podcast be a video 
content too, if that's your jam. Um, but for now, we're going to use the, the audio from those to be Monday and Tuesday shows. We pick, we pick six teams, three Monday, three Tuesday. Uh, and then there, there'll be about 10 minute segments each for each team that will be live on youtube.com. Uh, I'll tweet those out. You can check them out on CBS Sports's YouTube channel. But if you're into, if you're dying for some, uh, YouTube draft content, want to see me and Ryan, Ryan, see our faces as we're talking about this stuff, we've got that for you. Um, did I miss? Let me ask you something, Will. We, we did those, those podcasts and, uh, I think, Pete Prisco was supposed to join us? He was supposed to join us, but then his maid. True story. He called me at, at noon. He's like, I can't make it. My maid is running late. I was like, what do you mean your maid is running late? You can't make my podcast. Leave your key under the door. Like, tell her, like, wait till she gets there, then come over and tell her to lock the door when she leaves. My, my, he said he refused, he will not leave anyone alone in his house, which is, I think that's weird on any number of levels, but here's the deal. You're sitting there. And it's Prisco. He's sitting there in a bathrobe and nothing else on. Yeah. In the middle of the living room. With his legs spread. With his legs spread. Yeah. Being a total creep. Super awkward for everyone. Yeah. And of course he skipped the videos. It's fine. They were great. Uh, we had to, we had to adjust on the fly. No big deal, Pete. Um, we don't hate you for it. Hate you because you ain't you or something like that. Yeah. Right. Um, anyway, let's dive into the content. Did I forget anything that I was supposed to promo? No. We had, uh, seven guys on the draft show. Six and a half bear, uh, um, Barton Simmons uh, had to bail Bart, out. Yeah, yeah. He had technical difficulties, so he wasn't able to, to make all his picks in person. But uh good time. Chris Hassel was awesome as Roger Goodell. Yeah. He as he reminded us he had to stand for two hours. But uh I thought it was all good. Uh, I thought it was a good time. Me and Pete were stuck in the podcast room and um you were you were trying to give Pete the business. Pete got booed, uh unleashed by two of his picks. So yeah, good times. What what would you say? All right, and again, you can go and check out the the list of the picks. We did the top thirty two. What was the most surprising thing to you about? <laughs> I'll, actually, I'll I'll start. I'll tell you what the most surprising and annoying thing about this draft was. So I know what it is? Yeah, yeah, you know what it is. So we were assigned teams, right? Like, um, I was given the uh, Jets, the Lions, the Panthers, and the Eagles. Those are my four teams to make picks for. Well, lo and behold, I'm told. Without my knowledge, without my consent, that the Lions are trading up to three with the Jets who trade down to eight to get a second round pick out of it. Uh, and the Lions are trading up for Josh Allen with Quinn and Williams on the board. I feel like Ryan, I guess that's realistic, but I don't really think it is. I don't think anybody trades up to three and gets Josh Allen over Quinn and Williams. So I was annoyed by that because I think it defiles the sanctity of the mock draft by doing so. It's a total Matt Patricia move to, to do that. And then. <laughs> Go to the podium and tell the reporters after you make your first round pick. This wasn't my pick, so don't blame me when we're terrible next year. Mm-hmm. But that's right. It, it's hard to to pass on Quentin Williams. A lot of people like Josh Allen. I like Josh Allen a lot. He's goes usually number three in just about every mock draft you see, but at number three the Jets. But here's the thing: you were both the Jets and the Lions. The Jets do want to trade down. They do want to get an offensive lineman. I, I imagine if they're stuck there, you you take Josh Allen or you take Quentin Williams, and it's a win-win. Josh Allen is more of a wild card. I feel like just because. He came on really strong. He had a good junior year, but he had a great senior season. Quentin Williams is one-year productivity, but you watch him play, and you're like, I don't know how this guy can miss. So I understand your frustration. The good news for me is I was picking four, and I'm the Raiders, and I take Quentin Williams. Yeah. And again, a slam dunk, and you sit there with Josh Allen, and five years from now you probably regret that, uh, just assuming how you know the, the two players are going to turn out. Both will be really, uh, both will be good. I think Quentin Williams has a chance to be great. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I just think if you're the – 
again, I mean, it's a mock draft. You know, it's not a big, it's not a big deal. Uh, it was weird for me to explain. They're like, why? Tell us why you went up and got Josh Allen. I'm like, I didn't want to. You guys made me. Like, you're, you're killing. Settle down, settle you're, down, Patricia. Yeah, you're kind of murdering our video content, buddy. Um, no, I just think that if you're the, if you're the Lions, just stand pat at eight. Unless you, I mean, is Josh Allen that much better than Montez Sweat? He's, or Brian Burns, or Ed Oliver? No, no. That's the short answer. The long answer is that he's a little more bendy, if you want to be a a scout about it, than than Montez Sweat. (laughs) There's some concerns about his flexibility around the edge. But yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with any of those guys, but if you're number three, and you don't want to project, and I say that as someone who in my latest seven-round mock draft took Rashawn Gary number four, and that's a lot of projection (laughs) there. You take Quentin Williams, you put your head on your pillow at night, and you go to sleep and not worry about his GM. Yeah. Um, I mean, and look, again, the the Lions could have stood pat at eight and taken Rashawn Gary at eight. They could have had Montez Sweat. They could have had Brian Burns. I'd rather have the risk of one of those guys plus number 48 overall versus Brian Burns. I mean, versus uh, Josh Allen. So the the only annoying thing was that I wasn't allowed to do what I want. And then I was told, uh, oh, and by the way, you're you know you're the Jets here at eight, and all the good guys are gone. So enjoy Jawan Taylor. And I don't think that's a bad pick, Jawan Taylor at eight. I'm fine oh, with that. That's a great pick. If you want to protect Sam Darnold, and you sort of talked about that on the show, it's not a sexy pick, and that's I think where you know you sometimes have to bite the bullet. But it makes that team better. Yep. And, and number eight, if you'd stayed there, by the way, another pick for the Lions, T.J. Hawkinson. Yeah, I'd be fine with that too. I mean, I think they need weapons in a bad way, and he would help with the blocking too up front. I I, I do think I was bothered by how. Um, how stereotypical this draft was in terms of quarterbacks. Um, Kyler Murray, one, Drew Locke, 10, Daniel Jones, 15. These are all Brady. These are Brady Quinn's first three picks, which is kind of hilarious. Uh, I get it. Dwayne Haskins, six. That was Danny's pick. That's right. Yeah. The quarterbacks are called the quarterbacks. But here's the thing. And you said this, um, on one of the previous podcasts that we're so deep in the weeds and so far in our brains that we're, we can't do what makes the most sense. Early on, Dwayne Haskins made a ton of sense to the Giants. He still makes sense there. It's just a matter of whether Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer like him. And, you know, Pete tried to argue on the show about this mock draft that he doesn't fit what they do because he's fat. Hmm. He's a pocket passer. What's Eli Manning? Who, who is Eli Manning beating in a foot race? You yeah. take Dwayne Haskins and don't think about it. Again, don't overdo it. No, I, I, well, I mean, I get it. Dave Gettleman, by the way, as we're recording this, um, said uh, around one o'clock at a press conference, we went into last year thinking that Eli had plenty left, and he proved it. Stop it! Uh, I, but I'm t- I'm telling you, Ryan. I am telling you. I've I have co- I have followed Dave Gettleman's drafts closely for a long time. He is transparent about what he wants to let you. He is transparent about letting you know what he's thinking and wants to let it be clear. He likes to lay it out so that way when he does what he's saying, no one freaks out. Like every, he's like, I told you I was taking Saquon. Um, he is saying to everybody involved that he's going to take an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman or two defensive linemen. I think that is to me that there, nothing could be more clear about what the Giants want to do in this draft. And I don't think they're going to take a quarterback at six or 17. I don't, I wasn't saying stop it to you. I was saying to Dave Gettleman because he needs to. No, I know that. That said, my, the seven round mock draft, I have him taking Jawan Taylor at number six. They need a right tackle desperately. And number 17, Cleveland Farrell. Those feel, that feels two big needs. Not the biggest because your quarterback still stinks, but it's sort of in line with what it sounds like Gettleman wants to do and replace Olivier Vernon and get a right tackle for, for Eli. 
Yeah, I, I just think ultimately that's what they're going to do. I don't, I, I don't mind Danny going Dwayne Haskins. And look, anything could happen. This is going to be a wild draft, I think, just in terms of uh, people going different places. What, uh, what was the biggest pick that uh, that bothered you in this draft? Uh, let's see what we got here. Well, I understand why, but I'm not Daniel Jones to 15. He's a second round Terrible. pick in my mind. Um, if he doesn't go 15, he'll probably go 17 to the Giants if all their big guys are gone on either side of the ball. Daniel Jones is a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback, and he's going to a terrible situation. I think he fits what Jay Gruden likes to do offensively. Everything else, Jay Gruden doesn't know what's going on because they won't let him know what's going on. He might be out of a job by Thanksgiving. Who knows? Hmm. Um, they need a quarterback. Alex Smith uh, had the gruesome injury. Colt McCoy's not the answer. But who's Daniel Jones throwing the ball to? They don't have anyone. They have Jordan Reed, and that's it. He gets injured a lot. So, uh, you know, on paper, I understand teams always reach for quarterbacks, and this is the latest example of that. But I, I'm just not sold on on him being having success at a place. He goes to New England. Okay, let's have a conversation. He goes to, to Washington. He's out of the league in, in two years working in a sporting goods store. It, it's so dumb. And I said this on the show, but it's so dumb. It's like uh, building a jigsaw puzzle with, like, four giant – crappy pieces and expecting that you can then use the puzzle as the one great quarterback. Uh, maybe that's a terrible metaphor. I don't know. I know what you were saying. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, it's like Frankenstein. They're trying to Frankenstein it and it doesn't work like that. You can't, you, you have Case Keenum and a banged up Alex Smith and, and Colt McCoy and then you draft Drew Locke. You just got too much. You got too much, or draft Daniel Jones, excuse me. You got too much mediocrity with no real surefire answers. And I think they're just so desperate to find something that'll work for 2019 that they're ignoring what they need to do, which is to sort of build out, uh, and, and, and get better over the long haul. And so, uh, from, from that perspective, I don't like the Daniel Jones deal at all either. I think they'd be much better off if you're the, if you're the, if you're the Redskins. Get it, take a wide receiver there. I mean, I, Yes. You know, that's I mean, TJ right. Hawkinson sitting there. Take TJ Hawkinson. You need. That's the thing. Just because you have one great t- tight end doesn't mean you Jordan, can't have another one. Jordan Reed can't stay healthy. Take TJ Hawkinson there and put two tight ends out there and run Adrian Peterson and then have some, some play action looks for Case Keenum. I, I think that's a pretty good idea and the offense might actually be medium, mediocre or whatever. I mean, it's just not going to be a good offense, I don't think, this year. No offense yeah, to Yeah, if they're replacement level, they should be very happy. Yeah. Uh, one other pick I really did not like. Jamie took DK Metcalf to the Seahawks. I don't, I don't get that. Uh, and- I, I saw it and I was like, you know what? But you made the point and you made, you made the good point that that's not what they do. That's not what Brian Schottenheimer does. But maybe he needs to change. He probably won't change. It's but not. if you pay, if you're paying Russell Wilson 35 million, whatever it is a, a year, any moron can hand the ball off. Sure. He's the guy that, that runs that offense. And when he throws deep, he throws deep successfully. Just ask Tyler Lockett, Doug Baldwin, is on his last leg. He said that he's had more surgeries than we even know about. So they need help there. I mean, would you have felt better with Marquise Hollywood Brown as opposed to DK Metcalf because yes. of the versatility? Yes, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I get that you want a big body. I get that Metcalf is out there. I just don't think, I don't know. I don't think it fits. I think the Seahawks like receivers you can kind of scramble and, um, you know, do the, do the, the playground style drills with Russell when he's improvising and, and, and keeping plays alive. I don't think DK Metcalf fits that very well. Uh, I, I do like the, the idea of taking play action shots down the field to DK Metcalf. I think that sounds like a, a pretty good plan, but, uh, all in, all in all, I don't really love the idea of DK Metcalf to the Seahawks. Plus, I think 
you're looking at a situation where Jeffrey Simmons, Dexter Lawrence, uh, Jerry Tillery, uh, Paris Campbell, I think would be interesting for the Seahawks too. Um, Jalen Ferguson, guys. Take who were Marquise t- Brown if you're going to take Paris Hilton. Uh, pa- I always call him Paris Hilton. Paris Hilton. <laughs> I was on with um, Eric Asilius on Sportsline probably a month ago now, and I called him Paris Hilton. What did, what did he say? Was he like, hold on He's, a minute? <laughs> he said, I, I know it feels like the Kardashians sometimes, but uh, that's uh, Paris Campbell. <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, what, uh, worth noting, one guy that uh, people, or actually that you took at 27. There was an interesting trade in this mock draft where um, we had the Bengals move down from 11 11 to 27, to, and they got the Raiders' 27th and 35th picks. That's right. And then they got Josh oh, then they got Josh Rosen for 42. So a nice haul by the Bengals to get um, – you get uh, – let's see. Again, you get you – get, 35, 27, and That's Josh right. Rosen, and you give up 42 and a fourth and a fifth in 2020. It's not a bad haul for the, for the Cardinals, by the way. I love that haul by the Bengals because you're staying in the first round. You pick up an extra pick that you, that you lost when you gave away, uh, with Rosen and they drafted Cody Ford. And I thought Pete Prisker made an interesting point on the show. He said he's here. He thinks Cody Ford could go in the top 12. Well, our buddy Paul Daner, the Cincinnati Inquirer, um, he, tweets the news as it comes out in Cincinnati for the Bengals, and he does it, you know, he just reports the news. That's what he does. He's hilarious, but he said uh, whenever, a couple months ago, the Bengals have re-signed Bobby Hart, and Bengals fans lost their mind, and he pointed out on the on the, on the the show that you the Bengals need to do whatever they can to keep Bobby Hart off the field, and Cody Ford is that guy. I mean, he, right tackle, he's played right guard, he played for uh, Oklahoma along that really good offensive line, protected Kyler Murray. He's a fantastic player. How high did Pete say he think he's going? Twelve. That's pretty high. That is pretty high. And we've talked about the the Jets wanting an offensive lineman. Uh, there's rumors that the Bengals at uh, excuse me the Bills at nine won't go defensive line. They would prefer to get an offensive lineman. So those are two teams right there that could be around even if they trade down and have a shot at twelve to to, to get someone like Cody Ford. Yeah, that's a good point. And so if you have Cincy at eleven, Bills at nine, Jets at three, trading down. Maybe the Jaguars, but maybe not. Um, yeah, I don't they think trade down and, and get Cody Ford as opposed to Jawan Howard. At, at, I mean, Jawan Howard, Jawan Taylor at at um, seven. The Packers at twelve are a team that I wouldn't yep. rule out taking an offensive lineman. Um, and and of course, because look, the other thing too is that when you're staring at that and you see the Panthers at sixteen, the Vikings at eighteen, uh, and the Texans at twenty three. You know that there are going to be some offensive linemen that could come off the board pretty quickly. So yeah, we can see a pretty big run on offensive linemen. We can see Cody Ford, Andre Dillard, and Jonah Williams, and Jawan Taylor all come off uh, in in the top, you know, eighteen picks, which will would be fascinating because that's really going to push some defensive guys and maybe some quarterbacks down the board. Yeah, that's right, and, and that's sort of where things get crazy because the seven round mock draft. I mentioned Rashawn Gary going high, but if there's a sort of a domino effect with those quarterbacks getting pushed. A lot of weird things can happen, and that could be great news for the Steelers, for example, and one of the few ways that Devin Bush might end up down near the 20s. I don't think it's going to happen because he's so good. But, um, you know, that's what the Steelers are hoping for, that there's a run on on um, uh, quarterbacks, there's a run on offensive and defensive linemen, and no one's taking cornerbacks and, and linebackers, and it gives them a chance to get one. Uh, all right. What about TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant? 
went lower than I thought they would. TJ Hawkinson, 18 to the Vikings. You made that pick. Pete Prisco killed her for it. I like it. I think it actually improves their run blocking, pass blocking, gives Kirk Cousins another weapon. Kyle Rudolph has been pretty good, but I don't think he's that dynamic. One year end. left on his deal. Yeah, one year left on his deal. He's been told. I think that he's going to get an extension. We'll see. Uh, and then the Titans take Noah Fant there. I would be surprised if Hawkinson falls to 18. I think he'll go earlier. But just Here's put- my thinking. So yeah. Hawkinson's the best tight end in this class. He's the most versatile tight end in this class. And this, this is a deep tight end class. But the drop-off from him and Fant to number three is pretty huge. The drop-off from, say, uh, whoever Cody Ford, whoever your your top three um, offensive tackle is, to the fourth or fifth isn't that bad. Yadni Kajist out of West Virginia, Dalton Reisner out of uh, Kansas State. Those guys could be there in the second round, and you can get them there if you're the – if you're the if you're the Vikings, let me make sure they have a second round pick because I know people get mad <laughs> when you mess that up, and they do. Yeah, so in the middle of the second round, someone like that could be there: the Reisners and the Kajus, even the Caleb McGarrys. So you could get offensive line help there, no problem, and you still get the best tight end by a large margin. He and Noah Fant, then the number three tight end, Irv Smith, and, and number four, Jay Sternberger. Um. Yeah, I don't like the Jay Sternberger. You had a, in your seven round mock, you had Jay Sternberger going to the Patriots, as we'll mention next week when we break down uh, our team by team things. All right, what, uh, give me one. We'll get out of here. Give me one pick you loved from this uh, from this mock draft. Uh, Marquise Brown to the Ravens. Mm. Now, Jamie Eisenberg's concern was that this is a running football team, and I and I get that they are a running football team. But you and I and Brent and uh, Breach and, and Sean talked about it last last week. They can't run all the time. The Chargers figured out how to stop that, and they need to be more versatile. Lamar Jackson has to be a better passer, and Marquise Brown isn't a straight-line DK Metcalf guy. He can do everything and start with the short passes and work your way down the field with Lamar Jackson and create some versatility there. They have uh, Mark Ingram now, so you have the balance. You have an elite running back, not just Gus Edwards there running straight ahead. I like that pick. Yeah, I, I like that too. I was trying to jump in on that on the show, and I'm not sure if I did, but, um, you know, Danny Cannell pointed out that Marquise Brown catches those screen passes and those short passes, and that's what you gotta do. You gotta simplify things, utilize, uh, modern offensive approaches to make life easier for Lamar Jackson, and if you do that, he can make, complete those short passes, and then Marquise, you know, Hollywood Brown can take the top off of defense. Lamar Jackson's got a cannon arm. So you can run yeah. the deep plays down the field, use the run, use the running game to set up the play action, let him take it off the top. Um, I think you can utilize him more that way. I, I, I could see the Ravens taking DK Metcalf if he's, if he's there. I don't like the fit with that offense, uh, in particular. So I think the, the Hollywood Brown fit certainly is better in that case. Um, and before you, before you go on, breaking news from our friend Mary Kay Cabot at the Cleveland Plain Dealer. Uh, make it this way you will, smoke stream wise. Brown's general manager, John Dorsey calls Jeffrey Simmons. Who tore his ACL in February, the uh, Mississippi State stud defensive tackle, quote-unquote a phenomenal player, and he just might be a trade-up target. Wow. Because they don't have the first-round pick because of Odell Beckham. They're now in the second round. And we talked um, next week, I think you'll hear, we were talking about the Browns draft hall in my seven-round mock draft. And you were talking about will John Dorsey be aggressive or will will he stay pat? I was like, well, there's no real reason to be aggressive. There there are people there that they can target when they pick in the middle of the second round. Maybe they're going to be aggressive and get – a potential top five player who, who towards ACL and, and might fall out of the first round. I like it. I like that move. And, um, I had, uh, I had Jeffrey Simmons going to the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think yeah. if John Dorsey wants to get up in this mock, if we got so many mocks, if John, if John Dorsey wants to get up into the first round, there's, pl- there'll be plenty of opportunities. The Eagles, the Colts, 
The Seahawks at 21 in particular stand out. I think that's an easy pick. You call the Seahawks and say, look, we'll give you a first. Uh, we'll give you our second this year. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Maybe to get to 21, it'll be too expensive. I'm not sure. Well, I mean, we'll see. I, I don't think they want to sacrifice to first next year for a guy like uh, Jeffrey Simmons. But you know, if you're talking about a potential top five pick that you can get it uh, in the 20s, 21, 22, the Seahawks, the Ravens, uh, 25, the Eagles are, will always do this. 26, the Colts will trade down. Um, 20, uh, 30, the Packers are willing to trade down. And of course, 32, the Patriots are willing to trade down. So certainly there could be some interest there for if the Browns want to move up and get Jeffrey Simmons. One pick that, uh, I was going to, I was actually going to point out my Jeffrey Simmons pick that I liked. Oh, go with it. No, to the Eagles. I just think it's a good fit. They've got, um, you know, they signed Malik Jackson. They got Fletcher Cox in the middle there. They don't need right now that inside presence, but they can bring him on as a red shirt. So I think that fits. I like Dexter Lawrence at the Colts. And, uh, yep. I like Cleveland Farrell. I also made this pick. I really like my picks. Cleveland Farrell to the, uh, Carolina Panthers at 16. I think that is a ideal fit for them. By the way, Jeffrey Simmons towards ACL in February. He will be ready to go in November. People keep saying he's not going to play. If there are no issues with the recovery, he's fine. Hunter Henry tried to come back in six months and he was going to play. Did he? He played in the playoff game and he was for a few yeah, plays. But he did, yeah, he wasn't very effective. Remember, he shouldn't have been out there, but he came right. back like a month too early. Jeffrey Simmons will be ready to go and he'll be, a hundred percent or as close to it. He'll be, you know, eighty seven percent, let's say, by by late November. Well and even if he even if he ends up not playing, like let's say he gets drafted by a let's say he falls out of the first round and the and, uh, um and the the Raiders take him at the top of the second or something like that and he then they they're like, Listen, we're we've got five wins, we're not gonna bring you back in November. Um you know it it behooves him for his value to say he'll be ready to go because then people want to take him in the bottom of the first round. I, th- I think he'll end up going to the first round just because of his talent and because yeah. people aren't scared of ACLs as much anymore and because you get that fifth-year option. But, you know, having said that, it it wouldn't surprise me if he fell out of the first round. He's going to be a good player, so whoever gets him is going to be going to be fortunate. All right, let's get out of here, and uh, we'll take a break. Well, you're, I'm not getting out of here. You're getting out of here. Let's uh, – Call it a day. We'll take a break, and we'll go talk to uh, Dane Brugler. Thanks, Ryan. You got it. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. 
All right, joining the show now, as promised, the man, the myth, the legend, Dane Brugler. What's up, man? How you doing? Doing well, Will. Hard to believe we're uh, days, single-digit days away from the draft now, under a week. So uh, it's going to be before we know it. And I, I will say it will be nice to actually start to talk about how these guys fit and not you know, try to guess where they're going to end up. But uh, it should be fun. So you, I mean, you're now with The Athletic. You're crushing it over there. Uh, of course, you do the Cowboys podcast stuff as well, the Cowboys draft stuff as well. But mm-hmm. um, I think your draft guide and your seven-round mock of draft dropped in the last week. I encourage everybody to subscribe to The Athletic. Um, what's your promo code that people can use to sign up now in case they haven't already done so? Yeah, if you go uh, follow, go on Twitter is the best way, on uh, at DP Brugler. Uh, I have the link there. The promo code's on there. Uh, you know, it's like, it's like 40% off. It's a really good deal. I mean, a lot of people that get my guide in the past, uh, you know, with, if you're going to pay for the guide, it, just sign up for a subscription. It'll be cheaper, and you get the guide for free as part of it. So uh, the feedback's been tremendous so far on the guide, which has been uh, really happy to see. It's a passion project, something that, Really, I work on year round and, uh, you know, I've never had someone come up to me and say there just wasn't enough detail in that thing. Uh, so <laughs> it's, uh, it's something I take a lot of pride in, uh, the, the amount of detail, uh, both in the analysis and the background and, you know, the, all the testing information. You want all the official pro day numbers. It's all in there. So, uh, so far, so good. The feedback's been awesome. Yeah. It's, uh, I think 223 pages of high, octane content on the draft highly recommended for anybody and you again check out dane's twitter handle at dp brugler and you can get uh the link to the draft guide there special discount to sign up for the athletic tons of great content there do you feel like you when you've done the when you've done the the guide in the in the seven round mock do you feel like the hay is in the barn so to speak or or is this or i mean you know what i mean like are you or you just Mm -hmm. all right i'm just keep keep rolling got like seven more days just try and grind through this i mean where's your head at in terms of that analysis well, I, there's no question. The the night after I get done with the the guide is the best night's sleep I have all year, uh, <laughs> without a doubt. But you know, it's it's a process. This whole this whole thing is a process, and so we're almost there. Um, you know, the guide is uh, you know it's a chance to really you know flesh out all these players uh, from an analysis standpoint, understand what they do best, try to best paint a picture of what they do. And then, yeah, you know, the mock drafts, we're trying to just kind of guess where they're going to end up. And doing a seven-round mock, uh, you know, it's – you could throw it together, but I really try. And if you're going to do it, you might as well do it right. And so try to match up, okay, the who are these teams visiting with? You know, looking at their past trends in the draft, uh, you know, certain skill sets they go after, um, you know, certain measurable thresholds with, uh, you know, size, speed, length, things like that. Uh, trying to match it up as best as possible in terms of what teams are looking for, more so than just, you know, matching up team, team needs with, you know, your rankings, that type of thing. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's an interesting exercise and it's, it's what NFL teams are doing right now. Sure. You know, as much, uh, flack as mock drafts get, um, you know, by a lot of people, NFL teams do mock drafts because they're interested in finding out, okay, if A, B, and C happens, who's going to be left for us or, you know, if we really like player A, but we want to, you know, how far do we have to trade up to get him? And by doing these mock drafts, projecting where they're going to end up, it really helps prepare you for draft weekend and what's actually going to happen. So, you know, mock drafts are something that 
Uh, it's, it's just an interesting exercise, and that's how it should be viewed. Uh, you, you know, the, the final mock draft, that's where you're trying to get you know, accuracy and try to guess it exactly right. But all the mock drafts leading up to it, it just, it's, it's a scenario. You know, try to look at a different scenario of a realistic possibility. Yeah, thank you. That's like people were like, T. Russell signed his contract. Your mock draft is <laughs> stupid. I'm like, I don't think Russell Wilson was getting traded to the Giants. I'm doing it like, right. but that's what the Seahawks are doing. I mean, they, I mean, like, right. they're doing the calculus on it. Like, all right, if, if we traded Russell and this is what mm-hmm. the Giants gave us, what would we come out with it? You can't just, you're not blindly walking into some scenario. And, you know, if you're the, um, you know, let's say you're the Giants at six. I mean, you're, mm-hmm. you know, they're doing, they have six and 17 because of the trade. They're doing a mock draft to say, all right, if we take Daniel Jones at six or Drew Locke at six or whoever it is, you know, what, ha- what are we going to get at 17? And if we take, um, you know, uh, TJ Hockett, well, they wouldn't take TJ Hawkins, but you get the point. Montez right? Sweat. Yeah, if we right. take, yeah, if we take Montez Sweat at six, what quarterback is going to be there at right. 17 based on our board? Uh, which leads me to the question for, for you, Dane. Uh, you have Dwayne Haskins, I believe. It, can I, I can give away your rankings, right? Like, you mm, yeah, sure. Yeah. You got, I mean, I don't want to, you know, spoil too much, but you've got, <laughs> you got Dwayne Haskins as your number one quarterback, uh, Kyler Murray too. Do you think that there's any chance that it ends up being, uh, that, that, that it ends up going in that order in, in a draft day shocker or, uh, is Kyler no. Murray going to go first? Yeah, I think Kyler Murray is going to go first. I think that's going to happen. And, you know, my, my draft rankings, I don't really care about being right sure. in terms of my rankings on draft weekend. I care about being right three years from now. Yeah. And, you know, so I think Kyler Murray will be the first pick. Um, you know, it's, it, it will, at this point last year, we thought Sam Darnold was going to be the first pick. Obviously that didn't happen. Uh, and, you know, the Browns made the right choice. Uh, I think we believe at least up to this point in taking Baker Mayfield and we'll see if it holds true this year with, uh, Kyler Murray being the top pick. I, I do think it'll happen. Uh, but with Dwayne Haskins, I'm just, I'm a believer in the arm. Um, I think, uh, I trust what he has above the neck. I think those two foundation traits are a good place to start and is small sample size, 14 career starts at the college level. Uh, you worry about the lower body mechanics and his ability to, uh, you know, we just saw Russell Wilson, you know, the highest paid player in the NFL. A big reason is because of what he does with his legs and his ability to extend plays, throw off platform, find those ch- second chance throws. And that's something that Dwayne Haskins needs to get better at. But I, I truly believe it's more of an experience based issue, not a talent based issue. And so I think once he gets more reps and, you know, he'll continue to improve and get better in those areas. Uh, and really, I, you know, Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins, I think they're both uh, you know, mid first round picks, that, those type of guys. I, I, I thought last year's quarterback class was a lot stronger. Um, but you know, and these guys always get pushed up. And so it'll be really interesting. Who is the second quarterback drafted and where is it Dwayne Haskins? Is it Drew Locke? Is it Daniel Jones? Uh, you know, it, the Giants at six are going to be really interesting because I, 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 I don't know. I, yes, I think con, conventional wisdom says if you're going to draft a quarterback at 17, then you should draft him at six because why play around? It's the most important position in sports. And yes, the draft is all about value and you want to get good value for your picks, but it doesn't matter when you're talking about the quarterback position. It it just does not matter. Throw value out the window. If you believe that this quarterback is the guy that can lead you to the playoffs, well, then no pick is too early to take him. It doesn't matter how other teams view him. Go and get your guy. And so conventional wisdom says take the quarterback at six. But conventional wisdom also said to take Sam Darnold at two and not Saquon Barkley. So I, with the Giants, I just I don't think you can necessarily say that you know just common sense says take the quarterback at six and that's what they'll do just because 
with the Giants and the quarterback situation, I, I'm, I'm not going to bet on common sense taking over uh, with them. So who knows? But I think it would it would obviously make sense if they could take a quarterback at six. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if they take a Montez Sweat or someone like that. Uh, at six and they wait to get the quarterback, uh, at 17. Yeah. I, I think I can absolutely envision a scenario where Dave Gettleman and his, uh, Boston, New York accent, well, you know, whatever, like <laughs> that, that, that very distinct voice explaining to everybody in the room that, um, the, the way that the player pool works is that in this particular player pool is that, you know, they can't afford to take, uh, one of these quarterbacks at six. And that, you know, if one of them's there at 17, great. Otherwise, we're going to stick to our board. I look at your top 200. You know, you, you have Dwayne Haskins as the 15th overall prospect. Do you, when you weight the quarterbacks, do you, like, like, would you, like, if Dwayne Haskins was, um, like, like that, I mean, that's just built in like a strict grade, right? That's not, that's not like weighting the right. positional value. So, like, um, I guess, you know, when you look at that board, who, who, who are you surprised maybe that, like, like, are you surprised to, to see like Hawkinson, TJ Hawkinson, the tight end out of Iowa, obviously, and, and Garrett Bradbury, the center out of NC State, were you surprised that those guys ended up being so high, uh, maybe like above or with those quarterbacks? Yeah, and it, when you're doing, uh, you know, like a, a draft board independent of a specific scheme or organization where, sure. you know, you have obvious team needs. Yeah, I just stick to the grade. Like last year, Quentin Nelson, was my top rated player overall. Now, good job, good you know, job by you. <laughs> but you know, I, I probably wouldn't take a guard number one overall. But I thought he was the best football player. And yeah. you know, this year, like Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, they're fifteen, sixteen uh, on my board. Those are just that's kind of where I think they stack up. But obviously, if you need a quarterback, you're taking those guys higher uh, than necessarily quarterbacks. Realistically, probably shouldn't even be ranked with the other positions just because the positional value is so different. Uh, than everybody else. So, you know, I think that one of the main storylines in this year's draft will be the quarterbacks and where they end up because, uh, you know, I think those two quarterbacks are mid first round picks. I think Drew Locke is somewhere as like a late one, early two. And then I think Daniel Jones is a second round player. Uh, but in reality, I think all four are going in the first round. And I think there's a good chance all four could go in the top 20 picks and it'll be interesting where and when uh, and to who, you know, these quarterbacks land. I think Kyler Murray, we feel good as being the top pick. But then when's the second quarterback come off the board? Uh, is it is it six to the Giants? Could it be mm. 11 to the Bengals? Uh, in my seven-round mock, I had the Bengals taking Dwayne Haskins. I love the fit there. I think it makes a ton of sense. You have a quarterback already in place uh, with Andy Dalton who – you know, has not really taken, uh, you know, the roster to that next level. I mean, he's not a guy that's going to put the team on his back and, uh, you know, overcome certain circumstances. He needs things to be uh, kind of well-defined around him. I, Dwayne Haskins gives them a future, uh, you know, gives them a chance to move on from that, kind of like they did with Carson Palmer, um, you know, after it kind of became – and Carson Palmer had a little bit of life after he left Cincinnati, and Andy Dalton might have a little bit of life after he leaves Cincinnati. But for the Bengals, you have a brand-new head coach, uh, you know, a young offensive mind, bring in a young quarterback like Dwayne Haskins. I'd love to see that fit. Uh, and then after that, I, all signs point to Miami waiting until next year, 2020 draft for the quarterback. What do the Redskins do? I think, you know, they make the most sense for Josh Rosen, uh, you know, trading – Case Keenum and say a second rounder to Arizona for uh, Josh Rosen. And that, that works out for everybody. Case Keenum becomes your new senior uh, veteran uh, in Arizona. Cliff Kingsbury, Case Keenum connection is, is, is there from college. 
Kyler Murray, if he doesn't stay healthy or if he's not quite ready from day one, Case Keenum's your starter. And then in, in Washington, you have uh, Josh Rosen, who's your able to start right round and able to be your, your long-term answer. So, uh, you know, the quarterback fits and where they end up are really hard to peg right now. And that's going to make for a really interesting first round of the draft. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And I, I don't think, like, to me, the wide receivers and the cornerbacks are, are two of the more interesting positions in this first round. I will ask you about those cornerbacks because you've got, uh, of course, you've got Byron Murphy, who is uh, 20 in, in your rankings on overall players. I'm clearly the, the first cornerback there. Greedy Williams not far after him. But then you got Rock Yasin and Sean Bunting out of Central Michigan. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about those last two guys and how they sort of fit in with this class and whether you could see four cornerbacks going in the first round come Thursday. Yeah, no, you hit on it. The corners are going to be absolutely fascinating because uh, we don't have – none of these corners are a top 25 lock. Yeah, there's no, uh, like, Patrick Peterson out right. there, right? I mean, yeah. Exactly. So you, you could poke holes in all these guys. I mean, Byron Murphy, he's under 5'11", and he ran a 4.55. Now, love everything else. Love the instincts. Love the competitive nature. Love the ball skills. But some teams just – they will not draft a, a corner who's – uh, short and doesn't have ideal size. You know, Denzel Ward last year was under 5'11", but he ran a 4'3". Byron Murphy is under 5'11", but that 4.55 is really going to stick out uh, for a lot of teams. And then Greedy, uh, you know, you, you watch him uh, on tape and you like a lot what you see, but then you watch some of the games later in the year. And, I mean, he took the foot off the pedal and he left production on the field, just mm. didn't see that competitive nature on a snap-by-snap basis. And that's going to bother a lot of teams, and I, understandably so. So, you know, it's just hard to guess where these corners and what order they're going to come off the board. I think Rocky Asin from Temple, I, he it would not shock me at all if he's the first corner drafted wow. somewhere in the, in the, in the 20s. Uh, I, it, you know, I think he will be well-liked by a lot of teams. Another guy doesn't have that ideal speed, a four five one athlete, but well-built, you know, six foot, 190 pounds. It's funny, when he was a junior in high school, you asked him where he would be right now in his career, and he, he told you he, he, will, he will be uh, in the Olympics as a wrestler. That's what he what? wanted to do. That's what he thought he'd be doing. Uh, but he started playing football as a junior in high school, and as a senior, started to turn it on, goes to the FCS level, then transfers to Temple for a senior year, and I, he's, been, he's been a lot of fun to watch. He's, he, I, he might be the best player, best corner in this draft with his back to the ball. He just has a really good feel for playing through the receiver's hands, turning, finding the football. Um, again, not an ideal speed guy, but he's so physical. He's so tough. He, he plays really suffocating coverage. And so it was really fun to watch him and Debo Samuel go at it at the senior bowl. I think he's right there in that late first round mix. And then Sean Bunting from Central Michigan's a guy I, I know I'm higher on him than most, but I love the traits. Uh, he's over six foot, 195 pounds, uh, 4.42 speed in the 40 yard dash. This is a player who didn't really have a lot of options out of high school. He was a receiver, played a little bit of corner, goes to central Michigan as a gray shirt, not even a red shirt, a gray wow. shirt and works his way up. And this past year, I mean, I'll put up his tape against anybody's. He's a, a cover and clobber type of corner. He's going to get physical at the line of scrimmage. He has the athleticism where he's running better routes than the receivers. So I think Sean Bunting probably going to go somewhere in that early to mid second round. But uh, I think he's a guy that's going to outplay his draft position. I think offensive line, interesting too. Um, you've got Andre Dillard really high up here, ninth overall. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, one of those things, I, I, I don't know if it's a concern. I mean, he, I mean, I think it's like 90% of his 
drop back or ninety percent of his snaps last year were in the in, like in pass protection because mm-hmm. you know Mike Leach never runs the ball. Um, you've you also got uh, uh let's see who else did I see that was high there. Uh, you have him above Jawan Taylor, but below Jonah Williams, um, and then Cody Ford up there in the top twenty as well. Do you think given all these teams, and I mentioned Bradbury in the mix, all these teams like the Texans and the Vikings that just have bad offensive lines that need to improve uh, behind, you know, behind quarterbacks they invested in, whether through free agency or the draft. Do you think, how many, how many offensive linemen do you think we end up seeing actually going in the first round? Four or see five, I think will go in the top, you know, 20, 25 picks. Wow. Uh, the four tackles that you mentioned. Well, okay. uh, Jonah Williams, Andre Diller, Jawan Taylor, uh, Cody, Cody Ford, Ford yeah. who in some teams view Ford as a better guard. I mean, the best uh, way I had it put to me by a scout was Cody Ford's either going to be an A minus uh, 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 guard for you or a B plus tackle. Take your pick. And I so that's fine. I, th- I think, <laughs> right, exactly. And so I think you're just getting a solid football player. And then Garrett Bradbury is going to be right there in that mix. Uh, so I think five for sure. And then after that, I think you have a lot of maybes. Eric McCoy from A and M is a maybe a guard center versatility. Not an elite power speed guy, but you don't see him make mental mistakes on the football field. Just a rock solid player. Uh, Chris Lindstrom, the guard from Boston College, he has a chance to go in the first round. Um, and then Greg Little, um, offensive tackle from Ole Miss. So, you know, I think we'll see five for sure. And then as many as uh, eight are possible. But, you know, all 32 teams need offensive line help, uh, depth in some way. Uh, it's just the state of the NFL, the way things are. All 32 teams need help. And so, Really wouldn't surprise me at all if, uh, you know, these offensive uh, linemen just come off the, start flying off the board really quickly. We're going to see a lot of defensive linemen and offensive linemen in those top 20 picks. Yes. Uh, quarterbacks, offensive linemen, defensive linemen. That's going to be like 80% of the top 20. Yeah, this is a hog molly draft. It's great, great. That's why Dave Gettleman got rid of, uh, Odell Beckham. He wanted an, <laughs> he wanted an extra hog molly. Uh, <laughs> to, uh, I mentioned the wide receivers and I, just looking at your <laughs> rankings, it, it seems like you tend to agree. Well, you're you're down on DK Metcalf a little bit. I mean, he's still your top thirty, but I mean, uh, right. right there with Marquise Brown. How do you see that this class shaking out? Because to me, it's really interesting that there are so many. I don't want to say uh, B B list wide receivers, but the, mm-hmm. there's, there's no like elite wide receivers. Like even DK no. Metcalf's like a, you know, a a workout freak who can't run left or right. Uh, all, <laughs> all, like all these guys like Kelvin Harmon and Keel Harry, um, you know Riley Ridley. Throw them all in a hat. You know uh, mm-hmm. Debo Samuel, Paris Campbell. It all feels like they're so even on where pe- or where teams grade them that we could see some guys slip right. Slip and would it be a shocker if, say, Paris Campbell's the first receiver drafted? You know, wow. just because these guys are all closely rated and, you know, like DK Metcalf, yes, a physical freak, six, three and a half, 230 pounds, runs a four, three, but he's not the route runner that you want and he doesn't play as powerful as necessarily you would think for a guy that, you know, is so, is body beautiful, first guy off the bus, that type of guy. Um, but, you, I, to me, he's he's the top guy just because you you bet on those traits and you know it's hard to find a really an apples apples comparison. He's almost like a you know a bulked up Ted Ginn because he has that <laughs> he has that speed where he can take the top off a of defense just like Ted Ginn does. But he's more of a, a linear route runner where you you do wonder about his his ability to uncover on you know just uh, anything that's not a one cut route. Um, and so you do worry about that. Uh, on a consistent basis. Marquise Brown, 166 pounds. You kind of wonder 
you know, the durability, can he hold up long term? He we haven't been able to see him pre-draft because he's had a list frank surgery, should be healthy for training camp, but still the the 166 pounds has to worry you. At best, maybe he gets to 175 pounds, but that's that's best case scenario. He's just he's a small guy and you have to factor that in accordingly. But, I mean, A.J. Brown, won't be a surprise if A.J. Brown's a first receiver off the board. All these guys, you could poke holes in them, but they have certain things that you can really point to and uh, say you like about them. And with Paris Campbell, the 4-3-1 speed is great, obviously. But what he did during the positional workouts at the Combine is what is swaying teams. Because the big knock on him is he's that that H-back uh, in, in, at Ohio State, that Percy Harvin role. Uh, in uh, Urban Meyer's offense. So it was a lot of jet sweeps and bubbles and screens. And, uh, you know, we didn't see the, the high volume of downfield routes and him tracking the football. But at the combine, when he was asked to do those things, he did it very naturally, tracking the football, uh, running the, the downfield routes, the vertical patterns. He showed that he's able to do it. And it was more of a case that he just he could do it. He just wasn't asked to do it consistently at the Ohio State uh, in that in that offense because they had certain roles for their receivers. So I think Paris Campbell would not shock me at all. Six foot, two hundred five, four three athlete, and for a redshirt senior, he's actually a really young guy. He doesn't turn twenty two until the summer. Whoa. He uh, he skipped kindergarten, and so <laughs> he enrolled at Ohio State as a sixteen year old. So still a relatively young guy. So there is some upside there. Skip kindergarten. You that is a deep dive prospect examination when you're when you're checking out. That, the, that's that's in the beast. That's that's what the type of detail you get. I like it is called the beast. Again, check out. Make sure to check out Dane's uh, mock draft. Or when you look at these defensive linemen and sort of lump them together with the edge rushers too, if you want. Um, you know, Quentin Williams. I mean, how many first round grades do you have total on these on these defensive linemen? And where do you see the most intrigue? Because it's such a different group. Like Quentin Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, clear production at the Alabama level, but on a, a, a shorter, like we have a shorter time span knowing about him as a prospect. Ed Oliver's been around forever, but he it wasn't great last year and the hype with a smaller school like Houston. It's a really diverse group. You added all the Clemson guys too. Yeah, no doubt. And I, if you include the pass rushers, uh, it's just, it's, we have double digit first round guys. Okay. It's really a defensive line first round. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see the order. I think with Nick Bosa, and Quinn and Williams, those are two best players in the draft. And then I, th- I think there's a drop-off after that. Okay. Um, I, but Nick Bosa, as long as he's healthy, uh, I mean, the guy is an animal. Uh, the way it, it, He's a carbon copy of Joey, and Joey was a, a pro bowler earlier in his career. Um, and with Nick, it's not going to take long for him to repeat that. He's just His understanding of using his biomechanics to break down blockers, it's, just, it's so natural to him, uh, using his hands. Uh, you know, using his length and uh, just different techniques to his advantage. It's really, really impressive for uh, a player that's just, you know, 21 years old. So I think Nick Bosa is the best player in the draft. And then Quinton Williams, yeah, we, he's only a one-year starter, but, man, there's so much to like about him as a player. And you watch him on tape, you watch the A&M game, and you think, okay, you know, every, every player has that one signature game where it's like, uh, you know, this is what we're going to re- re- point back to uh, as an evaluator as, you know, this is this game, what he put on film, this is what we're getting with this player. But with Mon- or with Quinn and Williams, you, you, you thought that was an A&M game and then you watch the LSU game and then you watch Missouri game. And it, it's just it's it's the same thing over and over. He's getting better and better and better uh, the more he plays. It's just so impressive. Not only does he have, uh, you know, the quickness, the size, the power. 
the understanding of mechanics. Not only does he have all those, but he understands how to use them in unison to best beat blocks. So you're keeping these guys guessing at all times because he's so natural. And Jonah Williams, he summed it up best when he said he's trying to block a 300-pound uh, bar of soap. I mean, that's just the best way to <laughs> best way to put it. That, that's what it is with Quinton Williams, and that's why, in my opinion, he's one of the two best players in this draft. Uh, and then you mentioned Ed Oliver, who, uh, you know, he's the Aaron Donald comparisons are going to be unavoidable, which is a little unfair to the player because I don't I don't think he's on that level. He's not that type of pass rusher. Uh, you know, Aaron Donald is just such a, a unique uh, player that we just it, it's unfair to compare anybody to him. But with Ed Oliver, I think you're getting a high energy player when he's closest to the ball. That's what he does best. And he's so quick, so active, and he he really cares. You talk to people. At the in Houston behind the scenes, he puts in the time, and he's he does have a little bit of immaturity to him. He's a young guy, uh, but he, you know he's had the same defensive line coach for like six of the last seven years, uh, like all through high school, same defensive line coach. And then Houston hired that defensive line coach, and that was his defensive line coach at the University of Houston. So ah. you know when he goes to the NFL, he's going to learn some new things, and you know nothing against. Uh, you know, his, his defensive line coach in college and high school, but in, in the NFL, he's going to be able to be, uh, you know, open to some new things with, uh, some new coaches. And I think that's going to be, uh, to his advantage and expand his game even more. All right. I'll get you out of here on this. A two, two parter sort of not vague, but, um, I'm curious one guy that you think will surprise by going in the first round and then one guy that's a real under the radar guy on your personal rankings. I mean, it doesn't have to be like a fifth round pick or anything. Just, you can be mm-hmm. just undervalued relative to maybe the, uh, the consensus out there who, uh, who, and it could even be the same guy if you think it's somebody who creeps into the first round. Well, you know, I, I think we mentioned him earlier, but Paris Campbell, um, I think when you put it all together, six foot, two oh five, four three speed. Yep. Uh, I, I think when the ball's in his hands, he can create. And, you know, teams are going to be looking for that Tyree Kill type of player. And, you know, I, I think Marquise Brown's got a little bit of that. But so does Paris Campbell. And what he did at the Combine, I think, really elevated him. I would not be shocked at all if he goes in the first round. I mean, you look at the Ravens at 22. Uh, you know, the Raiders are a possibility. Uh, somewhere in that late first round, I think uh, Paris Campbell's a possibility. I think that would surprise a lot of people. And then uh, a player that I've been higher on than, uh, you know, a lot of people. And I, Jelani Tavai, linebacker from Hawaii, who I, I love. I He's a top 60 player in this draft. And uh, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people when he goes, you know, somewhere in that second, third round area. But in, he's kind of been out of sight, out of mind. He had the shoulder issue. So, he, you know, wasn't at the senior bowl, wasn't at the combine. And because he's coming from Hawaii, you know, not a lot of people hear about him or have seen him, but he is a modern day linebacker, inside out versatility, three down potential. He can rush, he can drop, he can cover. Uh, so with Jelani Tavai, I think someone in, in the linebacker group after Devin White and after Devin Bush, not a lot of depth at this linebacker group. So Jelani Tavai, don't be surprised when he's a top 75 pick and he goes higher than a lot of people think. 
All right, awesome stuff, Dane. As always, you put—I mean, you pour your uh, your heart and soul into this. Uh, the the beast, the uh, the draft guide. You can get it at theathletic.com. You can also go to uh, Twitter and go to DP Brugler is Dane's handle, and uh, you can get a, a discount. Sign up for the Athletic. There's tons of great content on there. I'm sure that you'll be cranking. You have tons of great content coming out of the draft, especially on those team by team actions. You guys, uh, I mean, the breadth of stuff to read at the athletic is is kind of unprecedented and you've got a week to get into dane's draft guide 223 pages appreciate the time my man anytime thanks will